Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. Did Stacy take off? Is she still in? Tracy, sorry. <laughs> I'm still getting to know everybody. Okay. Well, the Lord gave me a word for her like two weeks ago, and I haven't seen her to be able to give it to her. So if anybody uh, runs into her, tell her that I have a word for her sometime. So, you know, I believe that God is releasing a new sound in this house. What do you think? I think there is a new sound that's coming from this podium and from this platform that's going to go out and it's going to go into the highways and the byways and we're going to see miracles start to happen. We're going to see people coming in off the streets. We're going to see people getting healed and delivered and set free and I'm just excited about it. How about you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that, uh, that can sense that because it's been stirring for the last couple of months in this place and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger every single time we come here. And I believe it's because the saints that are in this house are starting to catch the vision. You see, Pastor Barb, we have such a wonderful pastor, and she, she, yes, we do. Come on, thank the Lord for her. Hallelujah. And it is her job to cast the vision before us, the vision of the house, every time we're in here. And I believe that she's been doing such a good job of it that we're all catching fire. We're all catching fire. You know, I know as some age groups, when I say catching fire, all you can think about are the Hunger Games. But I believe that God's people are catching fire that's going to stay burning and it's going to be a fresh fire that we haven't seen before. Hallelujah. I get excited. You getting excited? You should be if you're not. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Let's, let's just go before the Lord and ask him to just speak the word to us. Father, I thank you that your word is true, that you are a faithful, faithful father, that Lord, you promised that today when I got up here and opened my mouth wide, that you're going to fill it with your word that's going to go forth and it's going to accomplish what you send it to do. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the powerful, anointed word of God. I thank you for it, Lord. What would we do without your word? God, we love it. We desire it with all of our hearts, God. And we thank you that as it's released in this place, that Lord, your spirit will begin to stir and begin to stir and begin to stir. And the message tonight 
will begin to touch the hearts and the very lives of those that hear it. God, that none of us will leave here the same, but we're going to leave changed. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm really excited because the Lord has given me a message that kind of is a part two to the last time that I preached. How many were here the last time? Oh, good. There were quite a few of you. If not, it's online. Turn into YouTube. You gotta, it's all about accelerating your prophetic destiny. And, you know, I kind of had the feeling when I was talking to the Lord about tonight that a lot of people kind of sat back a little bit with that word because they thought it was more for the younger generation. Because how many know when you get to a certain age, you think there's not really that much left to accelerate, right? We accelerate much more. We're going to be accelerated right to heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I'm all for that, too. But how many know I don't want to leave one second before I'm supposed to leave? You know, I hear people get to a certain age and they're like, oh, I don't want to live to be, you know, not. Oh, you came back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do y'all mind if I stop and be obedient to the Holy Spirit? The Lord gave me this word about probably two Sundays ago. And I was looking at you, and I don't know if anybody has ever spoken anything over you like this, but have you ever been told by the Lord or by other people that you are going to be recording I saw you in a recording studio, and the Lord wanted me to let you know that you are going to be one of the key voices from this house to lead the new sound that's going to go forth. I know he's shown me a lot of things about Quinn and Maya and even Justin and, and other people that are on the team. I believe that God is calling forth a united front in worship. And that's going to be very, very important. You two especially are going to lead that unity in the team. Because if there's not unity, then there can't be the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But you pray about it. You know, we never know when we hear something from the Lord, whether it's going to happen tomorrow or 20 tomorrows ago, to, you know, from now. Um, but I just really saw, I tend to see before I get prophetic words, and I saw you in a recording studio. So you hold that in your heart. You just talk to the Lord about it. Hallelujah. 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 Phew. I got that off my chest after two weeks. <laughs> Praise God. Well, what I started to say is um, about the last time I spoke. And anytime I speak about, you know, fulfilling your destiny, 
Uh, there are some of us in this house, many of us, that are at the point where the world would say, our, if our destiny isn't reached by now, we aren't going to reach it. But I want you to know that that's completely opposite of what God says. God brought me here tonight to tell you a story that's in the Bible that I'm sure you're well familiar with, but that I feel it really speaks to us today, no matter what age we are in here, about what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives as we continue to grow. Um, this uh, message is called Back to Bethel. And uh, I am, yeah, are you okay? Do you, you, he had his, oh, okay. All right, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. <laughs> um, it's called Back to Bethel. And it's a story taken out of Genesis. The beginning of the story is in the 28th chapter of Genesis, verses 10 to 22. We're not going to take the time tonight to read it all. I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you, okay? Because most of you know the story anyway. We have Jacob that is running scared from his brother Esau. Amen? He had tricked him. He had gotten his birthright in a sneaky, underhanded way. And Esau found out about it, and he was none too happy about it. So Jacob is running away from his brother because Jacob, and, and I can say this because it'll be confirmed again later in Scripture, tends to be a little bit of a scaredy cat. People probably don't think about Jacob that way. But in the beginning, when God was working on him, Jacob was a scaredy cat, okay? And this, he first started out that way. He was running. He was traveling from the land of his father to the land of his uncle Laban because he and his mother got together and they decided that was the best plan for him to go hide out at his uncle's that Esau wouldn't be able to find him and wouldn't know where he is. And so that's where he was. But one night he stopped at a place called Luz, L-U-Z, and he pulled up a rock to lay his head on. I mean, don't we all pull up a rock. That always, that always bothered me. It's like surely he had blankets rolled up on his camel or something, you know, but no, he rolled up his rock <laughs> and put his head down to go to sleep. And while he was sleeping, God revealed himself to Jacob in a dream. And when he did, he gave him a great promise and when he woke up, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And he named it Bethel because that's what Bethel means, the house of God. Surely God is in this place. One of the things that the Lord wants me to tell you tonight is that sometimes in the times when you least expect it, God's going to show up. 
God gave him a dream. Now, I'm sure he was exhausted from, from running. I'm sure, I mean, if he could fall asleep with his head on a stone, the dude was tired, right? But God did whatever he had to do to get him to understand what he wanted for his life. So he gave him a dream. And, you know, Bethel was just a stop. He's in the middle of nowhere when he had this encounter with God. He was running for his life far from the safety and security of everything he knew. And suddenly, God showed up. He didn't expect to meet God there. Bethel was just a rest stop. It wasn't his final destination. And God wants me to tell you tonight that some of the greatest things that he will do in your life are when you're in trouble or in transition. Jacob was in trouble. Andy was in transition. His life was changing. And God showed up. And what did God do? He gave him the word for his life. He gave him a great promise. It just amazed me. The first thing that Jacob saw was a ladder come down from heaven and he saw angels ascending and descending now i don't know about you but this is the way my brain works and i have to ask the lord every time that he shows me something in scripture that i don't understand now to me angels live in heaven around the throne room right don't you think they would have been descending first? But the Bible said they were ascending and then descending. Well, I had to talk to God about that because it just bugged me. And God began to speak to me about what the duties and the job is of the ministering spirits to the saints. He says that they are commissioned to serve us. Now we know that if we speak things that are not in alignment with the word of God, that the enemy has demon spirits that can take those things and begin to manifest them. Do you know what the angels are here on earth waiting for? They're waiting for you to speak the word of God. It's the word of God that they take and run with and make happen. I, I just had a, a, a real vision when the Lord was talking to me about that. And he said, Sally, how many times... Has your angel been standing around 
dusting himself off, just waiting, waiting for you to speak the word of God. That's how important what we say is. And I had no idea I was going to say this. So you take this for free, whoever needs it tonight. Your words will shape your life. Your words that you speak will get you to God's destiny or will keep you where the enemy wants you. So it's very important that you watch out what your words are. So that was just a little aside. If anybody, did anybody else ever wonder why they were coming down first instead of, or going up first instead of coming down? See, I told you, it's just the way my brain works. But anyway, after Bethel, uh, he was in the land of Laban, you know, where he tricked, he was tricked into marrying Leah. I, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven and, and meet uh, the, Rebecca, she must have been some pretty woman. I mean, I don't know about this chick, but she must be something else that this guy for 14 years worked day and night so that he could get to marry her. But that's what he did. And um, eventually... He had to run from Laban and his family because God's hand was on his life. And I want to tell you that God is never going to allow you to stay someplace where you're too comfortable until you get to where he wants you to be. You can only stay for so long. He gave them those 14 years and his hand of favor was on him, wasn't it? The Bible says that he doubled the flock, that he, he knew God gave him a word of knowledge of how to keep the best flock for himself. I thought that was pretty cool. God will give you words of knowledge to help you do better in your job, in your school, things that you wouldn't Think of on your own. If you stay tuned into his spirit, he'll whisper things into your ear that you may have never thought of. Imagine that. We all think we thought of everything. But God's smart, and he knows what works. But he'll only let you be comfortable for so long. And then it was time for Jacob to run again. And 20 years after that dream that God told him, God told him to go back to Bethel. It's in Genesis chapter 32. And we'll get to there in a minute. But after all those years... Jacob had to go back to Bethel. Why? Because he had to be reminded of who he was and what God had promised him. Sometimes we get to that place in our life where we might forget some of the things that God said to us. 
or we think it's been so long, surely that's not going to happen. That must have just been me. That wasn't God, right? Am I the only one that's ever said that? No, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of us that have said that. And so God called Jacob to return to Bethel. And while he was there, he told him to build an altar. After all those years, Jacob had to be reminded of the promise of God. And that what God began in his life, he would finish. That reminds me of a scripture. I'm going to read it to you. Philippians 1.6 out of the classic amplified translation. It says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing. And I'm going to stop right there. Because I'm going to ask you as we continue to read this. Are you convinced? Are you sure beyond a shadow of a doubt? of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. How many times have you thought, well, you know, I, I'm at that place now. Maybe, maybe I missed God. He'll, he'll do it in somebody else. Somebody else will fulfill that word. Well, you know what? They might, but God's not going to get off your case about it. It's up to you whether to obey and to listen to what God says. We have that option. You know, God didn't make us robots. And so if you want to just sit back and say, she'll do it, or he'll do it, or they'll do it, and let, let somebody else do what God told you, what he promised you, you can believe that you're not going to sleep well at night. Because God is going to make sure that he perfects that word in you until you're with him. It doesn't matter if you did that exact thing. And I say this out of experience because there was a thing that I know that I know that I know that God called me to many years ago. And because of the circumstances in my life and I was too weak to fight it, I quit. And I thought, well, I'm certainly not indispensable. Somebody else will step up and do this. In this particular instance, nobody did. And the thing fell apart. And is no longer in existence. Because I didn't do what God told me to do. Now, God is a loving God. He's a forgiving God. And... He forgave me when I asked for forgiveness. He forgave me. But he said, don't you think for one minute that you're done? Because I'll perfect it in you another way. 
God never runs out of ways. God never runs out of plans. Never. Don't you ever be afraid of missing God. I think I said this the last time. God, we trust our GPS in our car or on our phone more than we trust God. If we go the wrong way, our GPS will reroute us and get us there, right? And we trust that it will do that because why? Because it was made to do that. But we don't trust God that if we miss something, that he can't gently reroute us to another way so that we'll still get to where he wants us to be. God made each one of us unique and special. Nobody else in the world like you. And he has a plan for your life. And though you might not want to do it at that particular moment, guess what? He is going to make sure that he perfects that in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, often we become lost or dissatisfied with life as we see it. But I'm here to remind you, we can always go back to Bethel. Anytime, just like Jacob went back to Bethel. We can go back to Bethel at any time in our lives and be reminded of the promises that God gave us. Sometimes that looks like going into a notebook of words that the Lord has spoken to you about your life. Anybody else have a journal or a three-ring binder of words that God has spoken over you, whether in your private prayer time or through another person that you wrote down and dated and keep track of? If you don't, you should. You should, because there are going to be times when God's going to direct you to go back to Bethel. Because you're going to need to be reminded what he spoke over you. We let our circumstances keep us from remembering what God says about us. We get tired. We get weary. We get sick. We get to the point where we need finances. And we forget what God said, because it's too hard for us to understand how that can be true if all of this is true. But we have to remember, that's what faith is all about. If we could see and understand every, everything that happens to us in our life, we would never have to use faith, would we? No, because we'd already know. We'd already see. But God calls us to walk by faith, not by sight. It's all about faith in him and what he does, not what we do. We're so used to depending on ourselves. Jacob was used to depending on his, himself. And the Lord says, this guy needs to go back to Bethel. 
And we're going to look here what happened when he went back to Bethel. And while I'm explaining this to you, I'm going to give you three points that I want you to remember when you hear the term Bethel. And anytime you think about Bethel, number one, Bethel is a place of remembrance. God called him back to Bethel for a reason. He wanted him to remember. His life had changed since the last time he was there. If you read in Genesis chapter 32, he says, the last time I was here, I just had a staff. This time he came back and he had so many people so many fam, so much family and so many people that worked for him, so many flocks that he had two groups. He couldn't fit them all in one group. God's faithfulness had multiplied him into two camps worth of people and livestock from just a staff. That's all he had. But Jacob was a scaredy cat. And if you read further down in chapter 32, when he got to where he knew he was getting close to where Esau was going to be, he sent the women and kids across the river, across the brook, and he stayed behind. I read that and I thought, well, that ain't right. But that was the way Jacob was. He was so afraid of what his brother was going to do. And I want to tell you why. It's because the first time he was at Bethel, he made a conditional promise to God. Have any of you ever said, made a conditional promise with God? God, if you do this, I promise I'll live and serve you for the rest of my life. Am I the only one that's ever done that? God, if you just get me out of this mess right now, then, then I'll do what you tell me to do. If you just take care of this thing, which, by the way, is the thing that's making it so you have to walk by faith and not by sight. If you just take care of this thing, then I'll do what you say. Well, of course, I bet you will. Jacob's foundation wasn't firm in the word that the Lord gave him the first time. We all have Bethels in our lives. And we need to remember them. Those places where God spoke to us and our lives were changed. Those places where we got someplace and we knew that if God didn't show up, we weren't going to make it. That might, might have been your salvation experience. I know it was mine. I had gotten to the place where if God didn't do something, my life was going to be over. For those of you that weren't here the last time, I'm the survivor of three suicide attempts. Because before I knew Jesus, 
I had gotten to the end of several ropes, not just one, but God. But God. Like I said, God will never take his hand off of you. You may want him to sometimes, but he'll never, ever take his hand off of you. And I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad that I'm standing here tonight. You have had a Bethel experience. And if you think you haven't had a Bethel experience, by the end of tonight, we're going to pray and believe that you will have a Bethel experience. Amen? We need to continually return to those places, whether we're having success or whether we're in trouble, to remember the times God did it when we couldn't. When he showed up when no one else did. When we thought it was over and God filled our soul with great promises. Remember Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5? It says, God, this was David saying what God said. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He was speaking to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget what? All. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives how much of your iniquities? All your iniquity. And heals how much of your diseases? All of your diseases. See, God doesn't forget. He didn't forget what he provided at Calvary. We're the ones that forget. We get so caught up in our circumstances that we forget. So number one, Bethel is a place of remembrance. Number two, Bethel is a place of revelation. When God revealed himself to Jacob, there was not only a revelation, but an awakening that happened in his life. He woke up to the reality of God's presence with him to the point where he had, he had to change the name of the place because God's presence was so strong with him. And his promise and purpose for his life that God spoke over him, he was awakened to it again. Now, he wrestled with God. Again, am I the only one that's ever wrestled with God and argued with God? I remember when, this is when I was at the end of my 50s. I said to God one day in my quiet time, I can, sometimes I can be so brazen with the Lord, but what he sees is what he gets, and he knows. I mean, he knew when he saved me what he got, okay? And he's still in the cleaning up process. So give me grace. But, <laughs> hallelujah. But I said to God, you know, Lord, I know you said that I'm going to be doing this and doing that. I just want you to know, I don't want to be in my 60s and doing this stuff. And I know God was just rolling around on the throne room floor laughing because he knew what was coming. 
And just to show you how cute God can be when he's trying to make a point, guess how old I was the day the church that we planted launched? 60 years old. Well, you know, uh, I worked the hardest probably then that I had up until that time. And it was okay. It didn't matter because I was doing what God had called me to do. And it was okay. To the point where when God said it was time for the next crew to come in, once again I argued with God. And I said, not my baby. You know, I had worked. I had planted. I had you know, dug the ground, I had prayed, I had interceded, and God took me to the woodshed. You ever been taken to the woodshed? He said, excuse me, young lady. Well, when I hear God say that, I know I'm in trouble. He said, this was my baby birthed in my heart years before I ever chose to plant it in your heart. You don't say this is your baby. And I did carpet time. Y'all know what carpet time is. It's when you're laying on the floor crying you know, because he always brings you to repentance. If you really have a heart to do what God wants you to do, he'll always bring you to repentance, and you'll end up doing some carpet time. I'll tell you, you will do it, because he always turns you around, and eventually, and even, you know, even since then, I, I'm going to be real transparent. Oh, this is on YouTube. That's okay. You know what? I'm not ashamed. I'm going to be 70 years old in three months. And God is telling me that the best is yet to come. Now, I said to God right before we came to this church, I said, Lord, I, you know, I've done a lot. The world thinks I'm retired. Can I be done? God said, girl, you're not retiring. You're refiring. And ever since then, I kept hearing those words go over and over and over in my mind. And then one day, out of the clear blue sky, I got a message from a cute little blonde that I'd never met before. It was a private message. I don't even know how we got connected on social media, but we did. And she invited me to come to a meeting that she was starting called Leading Ladies. And I walked into her office, and all of a sudden, the atmosphere around me changed. And on the way home, I don't think I've ever told you this, the first time when I met both of you, on the way home, I cried all the way home. I had no idea why I was crying. I was just crying all the way home 
because I knew God was up to something. Now, I, I never would have believed, and my husband, of course, never would have believed that he was calling us to a church that was so far away from where we live. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to say it, and I say it, and people look at me like I've grown two heads, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know what? We don't get to pick what church we go to. My Bible says that the Holy Spirit places you within the body wherever he wants you. And so we got to forget about this consumer mentality that's come to us as Christians, where we go visiting church after church after church with our arms folded. Okay, what do you got for me? What's he got for you? What did he give you over 2,000 years ago on Calvary? I mean, could he give you anything else? And if you read the book of Acts at all, you would see that we're not supposed to come to church to get. We're supposed to come to church already built up and ready to give. It should be coming into a church saying, what can I do? Where can I serve? What can I do? You know what? When God puts you in a place, and I don't care if you know nobody. We knew nobody. Nobody here. God, God made a way. He knew what he called me to. He made the way. I didn't do it. Mark didn't do it. He made the way. All we did was obey when we were thinking, do you know how much gas it's taken to come here twice a week, sometimes three times a week? God knows how much gas it takes. And it, don't you think he can provide it? If this is where he's called you to be, 45 minutes one way is nothing to him. Nothing. And so we keep reminding ourselves, God called us here. He's going to provide. And you know what? He has. He has in every way. He's made room for our gifts and our callings. He does it all. And so Bethel is a place of revelation. It's just, Bethel isn't just a place. Bethel's a person. Bethel's a person who's with us always, wherever we go. When God reveals himself, when we're in the middle of nowhere, whether that's spiritually or physically, whatever it means, when God reveals himself, when you're in the middle of nowhere, he's going to open your eyes and changes nowhere to now here. You think you're in the middle of nowhere. God says, no, now I have you here. And lastly, Bethel is a place of response. First time at Bethel, 
Jacob made a conditional oath, like I said, if God did certain things, he would serve him. But after going through his, his struggles, he returns with a limp and builds an altar to God. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times I find it hard to trust certain Christians that don't walk with a little bit of a limp. Don't smell a little bit like smoke. You know, they've been some places. They've been through some places. They've done some things. They've wrestled with God. That's what Bethel did. And he built an altar. What's an altar? It's a place of sacrifice. See, he's no longer negotiating with God. He's laying down his life before God. He's surrendering his life. Bethel makes us realize that we need God's presence most in our lives. The only proper response is to lay down our lives as living sacrifices. And tonight, as as we conclude, I'd like to make this altar a Bethel for anybody that wants to come. You know, we never want to conclude a service without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus. And if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that means taking your hands off and giving him full control of your life then I invite you to come. Come tonight. Let's have a Bethel experience with Jesus. And maybe there are those of you here that are being called to remember the Bethel. Remember the things that God said to you. I invite you to come. Come on now. Because you're not done. You're in, that's right. Come on down. Let's make this a time of Bethel where you remember what God spoke to you. And you can be making a response to the Lord of surrender. Maybe you don't know what God's spoken over you. You know, God not only spoke a promise the first time at Bethel, but he changed his name the second time. He changed who he was and what he was doing. You might not know right now what it is you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you're confused if that's you. Come down here. It's time to have Bethel in this place. We can't do what God is asking us to do as a church until we allow God to do what he wants to do at the place of Bethel and be able to respond. I know there's people here that the Lord showed me this afternoon while I was praying for tonight and praying for those who would be here. The Lord says that there would be people here that thought they knew, but now they think they were mistaken. God says, no, you weren't mistaken. 
I'm just going to make it more than what you thought. He's not going to just give you a word. He's going to change your identity for this next thing that he has for you. We have to be willing to be obedient and surrender when God says, now's the time. I want you to remember, we need to start, stop wrestling with God. And I just feel tonight, just in the stillness and the quiet, maybe you can play some music. You just need to have some time at Bethel. You need to allow God to do it. And if you don't want to come up here, go ahead and do it at your seat. God knows where the Bethel is in your heart doesn't have to be a place. This is just an activation so that you will remember this is where I was. This is what I did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Bethels that you've provided for us, Lord. I thank you, God, that not only do you cause us to repent and to turn around, but God, you're always there to pick us up. You're always there to reroute us and to bring us to where you want us to be, Lord. God, help us to be obedient. Help us to say yes. Help us to be instantly obedient. When you say something, that we say, yes, Lord, and we lift our hands up and surrender. Let's just do this, that right now. Let's lift our hands and surrender to the Lord. Say, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, I surrender. I surrender, Lord. You know my heart. Change the things that need to be changed. Lord, lead me in the paths and the places that, need, that I need to go. But God, I surrender. I'm taking my hands off the driver's side of the car. You're the one driving now, not me. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you what you're doing in hearts tonight.